Nature as Enchanted. In this podcast, we discuss how our three writers, Francis Assisi, Rosenzweig, and Hamadou Kane, see nature as enchanted. It's not something we project onto it. Nature is truly enchanted because it manifests the Word of God in its beauty and majesty. The idea that the Word of God animates nature is very distant from the view of deism as discussed in the introduction model, and yet it's also different from a religious view that would limit the manifestation of God's Word to Scripture apart from nature. Here, with our three writers, Scripture and nature are mutually attuned. Francis offers prayers to God through nature, prayers which are shot through with biblical verse. Rosenzweig's reflections on the world bring together philosophical and scriptural insight. Hamadou Kane speaks of Senegal as a place where the word of God is interwoven with the environment. This is theohumanism in its richest sense, where the world and its workings are folded together by the force of divine speech. This view of nature won't help scientists do better science, but may help us live with clearer purpose. It's in that sense that nature may succeed in saving our souls where science can't. Of course, this possibility requires listening to nature beyond its physical realities. The basic idea is that nature has a share in the Word of God. This is not to speak of nature as a spiritual reality hidden behind physical appearances, as if a rose guarded by thorns. Rather, nature in both its physical and ultimate realities, is divinely charged. Francis Assisi announces this in his life and writings, notably Canticle of Brother Sun, in which he addresses sun and moon and the four elements, wind, water, fire, and earth, as brothers and sisters in God. It's not metaphor. The elements of nature have a reality by which he has come to know and praise God. Something about nature awakens us to a higher order beyond the physical one. Nature is not merely passive matter, it's active and alive, enchanted. Francis has not entered the land of make-believe. Rather, he discovered, very gradually, that nature acts on him body and soul. Nature's impact on him was not a physical force, but opened him to wonder at the beauty and majesty of nature, attributes that he connected to what he had read about God in Scripture. It is in this sense that nature is in sync with Scripture as a means by which Francis and many others have come to know and praise God. For this reason, while bold in announcing the reality of nature, Francis was also troubled by the failure of his society to grasp the fullness of nature's reality. They were too distracted by the pull of wealth and power, but ignorance of the truth of nature only harms our spiritual life, depriving us of a richer awareness of the workings of God's word. Hamadou Kane also expressed concern about ignorance of nature's full reality. In contrast to Francis, he faced the claims of modern science to be exclusive approach to knowledge claims that undermine knowledge of God as nature proclaims it, and that alienate us from nature and from ourselves too. Keynes' celebrated novel reflects on colonial Senegal. Not only have the French occupied the land, as colonizers they introduced the Senegalese to modern education, which contrasts with their traditional education and its emphasis on word of God as imbibed through the Quran. 
In contrast, colonial education emphasizes modern science, which whitewashes the idea of nature as guide to God. The Senegalese have no problem accepting the truth of science, but view it as a partial truth. After all, insofar as there will be a future, all truth is partial. We only know the truth in its totality at the end of history. The deeper concern is that colonial education alienates the Senegalese from the ultimate reality of their existence, the word of God that animates nature entire. Without knowledge of nature in that sense, one is no longer able to engage with nature in a way that discloses the truths of one's own soul. Nature becomes simply a physical reality, and thus one loses one's pathway in the world. Modern science, the novel charges, keeps us from feeling humble before nature, which discloses our own contingency, as if we're its masters rather than mere mortals. Because we've been estranged from our own finitude, we lose sight of infinitude as a realm that enlarges our soul when we gaze upon it. This is what is meant by the word of God at work in nature. Remove that, it's no longer enchanted, and you end up deprived of deeper self-awareness. The novel makes the point clearly in the words of a member of the native elite who says to a colonial administrator, your science is the triumph of evidence, a proliferation on the surface. It makes you masters of the external, but at the same time, it exiles you there more and more. This very point is the message of the novel. Its protagonist, Samba Diallo, scion of a noble clan in Senegal, goes to France to study philosophy, but when he returns to his native land, he discovers his relation with nature is not the same. He has lost his ability to know it in its fullness. It no longer speaks to his soul. Prior to his socialization in modern thinking, nature drew him into its embrace. It was not silent or neutral, but alive, even aggressive, always engaging him. Traditional education, worthless in a modern world, had given him richer intuition into the reality of nature. Modern education had deprived him of it. Rosenzweig differs from Francis Assisi and Hamadou Kane in his intensely philosophical mindset. However, he can't accept the philosophy of his day, which pretends to explain the totality of existence as a realm of universal truths but can't explain life's particularities, specifically the particularity of death, which Rosenzweig calls the factuality of our existence. A philosophy that claims to explain the totality of existence fails if it remains at the abstract level and does not include in its system of knowledge the contingency of our existence, which our death makes all too obvious. The problem, Rosenzweig contends, is that philosophy, were it to descend from the realm of universal truths so as to account for life's particularities, would face the reality of contingent existence, where all is in motion, ceaseless flux that makes it impossible to know truth with certainty. How, then, is Rosenzweig to fulfill the claim of philosophy to offer knowledge of the totality of existence? In response to this conundrum, he's compelled to turn to theology, since theology bridges 
the temporal and the eternal, as seen, for example, in the concept of miracle. Miracle, for Rosenzweig, is not a suspension of nature, but a manifestation of eternality amidst temporality, and thus a sign of the way divine truths intersect with life's particularities. Thus does Rosenzweig turn to concepts of theology so as to take into account the totality of existence. The miracle indicates that the world is not a passive system, but alive with divine activity. As such, it enables philosophical reflection on the unity of existence that embraces both its temporal and its eternal dimensions. On this basis, Rosenzweig concludes that the temporal world, creation, has had a share of redemption, eternal life, placed within its folds. As a philosopher, his goal is to explain the totality of existence, both the temporal world, ever passing away, and what gives the world, in his language, solid durability, its eternality. However, philosophy on its own terms falls short of this goal, requiring Rosenzweig to take recourse to theological concepts, creation and redemption. The world in its temporal state is destined to pass away, but God's redemption of it from its nothingness gives it eternality. Theological insight, then, allows philosophy to explain temporality, creation, in relation to eternality, making it possible to comprehend its ultimate realities. Rosenzweig speaks of redemption in creation. If redemption is what defines creation, since without it there'd be no way to define creation in its temporal existence, then redemption defines it from its very inception. It's not simply a future event. Creation has always been redeemed. In speaking theologically of redemption as already defining creation at its inception, Rosenzweig is making the philosophical claim that we can account for the eternal truths of temporal existence, which on the surface seems ephemeral, as if existing only to pass away, which would make it impossible to speak of it in terms of ultimate realities. However, because the Word of God has redeemed temporal existence, philosophy is able to fulfill its purpose.